Welcome back to the Slumber Party Pod. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Hannah. And welcome to Fangirl February. Fangirl February? Fandom February? Whatever yeah. you're choosing to call it. We have a brand new theme. Our first theme month. Very excited. And as our intro for the month, we are bringing you, of course, a Midnight Sillies. Although it's only about a halfway of Midnight Sillies because Lizzie and I did talk about neither of us have a beverage. Neither of us have a beverage. And it's not midnight, it's 9pm, but it's a school night, so. It's a school night. We can't stay that late. I said, I told Hannah, I said, I gotta be honest, Hannah. I specifically made the choice to not have an adult beverageino during the filming slash recording of this podcast because I knew that if I did, there was like a 50-50 chance I would fall asleep during filming because I'm already We're so both tired to begin with. already yawning. I did just cover a yawn during that sentence of yours. Yeah. I saw that. It was very tastefully done, though. Thank you. But it's still going to be a little bit of a sillies episode, which I'm excited for. I'm excited to chat about us because that's kind of what this episode's about. Yeah, a semi, a, a loosely structured Sillies yeah. episode because um, we did do a little bit of prep work for this. Not a ton. Yes. Just um, a, few, a little bit. A little bit of prep work. And um, we did say that we wanted to get some, you know, additional perspectives, points of view while we did this. We are going to say we did a little survey of some of yes. our friends, of their experience with fan culture. I think we're going to talk about some of the funnier answers we got. Um, but we'll, I think we're going to leave the bulk of it for um, our kind of like Slumber Party Classroom episode later, yeah. in, the, later in the month. A where we more academic. A deep dive into kind of actual research and etc. So... But I'm every time we do this, this has happened the past three times we've recorded. I look at my little self in this thing and I go, Jesus Christ, my hair is so long. I need to get it. <laughs> and mine is so short hair. these days. No. It's so cute. I do like it. You look so blonde today. I feel like I've said that to you the last couple weeks though. Thank you. Well, I also did wash it and blow dry it today, which is always when it looks the most blonde. See. So Yeah. Yesterday my friends they were like, Your hair is so cute today and I was like, Thank you, it's clean. Yep. Yes. Um our friend um our other friend Hannah, she's like, every I know when you've washed your hair because every time I go, Oh my god, your hair looks so nice today She's like, And I know you're gonna go, Thank you, I washed it Which makes it sound like I don't wash my hair that frequently. Yes. I do. I probably wash my hair way more than I should. But Same. you know how it is being a person with very light colored hair. It changes colors drastically. Yeah, the moment you haven't washed it for 12 and, and a half hours, it, it looks, you have brown hair. Yeah, it's very confusing for folks who... Mm-hmm. Do not have to deal with that and don't have people in their lives who've dealt with that in the past. Yeah, I've had that conversation with a lot of people where they say, did you do anything different to your hair? I'm like, no, it's just clean. And they're like, you don't normally clean your hair. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I washed my hair. Of course I do. Shut up. I also had an experience about a year ago 
um, or maybe a little less than a year ago, I was at my job, my current job, but I was relatively new at it. And I, at the time, had bangs. At this point, I'm, I've kind of grown out my bangs. But at the time, I had bangs. So when my hair was clean and, like, I blow-dried it, I wear my bangs down. But if my hair was dirty, I would slick my hair back. So at least twice a week, I would wear my hair, like, slicked back in, like, a bun. Yes. And at one point, after being at this job for at least a month, maybe more, one of my coworkers said to me, I had my bangs out, and she was like, oh, my God, I love your new haircut. And I was like, this means you've never seen me with clean hair. (laughs) (laughs) You've only ever seen me on a day that I had dirty hair. But you know what? I bet you had a relatively positive and genuine working relationship with her. I did. I was like, because it's always the people who see you at your most... (laughs) I was like, oh my god. Yeah. I was like, I guess I always have dirty hair on Tuesday. I don't know. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. But all that's to say... Oh, I do have a little housekeeping thing. It's not really housekeeping. It's just a fun little general pod announcement. We added two new countries. We did? For listenership. Yes, I noticed. I haven't checked in a few days. Because last night, um, I was talking to my dad, and I said, oh, I'm going to check. And I realized that we added Austria. Ooh. And then I just checked... We also added Hungary. Austria and Hungary? Yes. The, Aus- the Archduke has been listening. Yes. Are we the Austro-Hungarian Empire? Yeah, we're Franz Ferdinand. I doubt it. <gasps> My mom just texted me. I said, wait, what were your thoughts on the book? And she said, oh no, I can't tell you right now. <gasps> no, we were hoping to have thoughts from an actual mom as an addendum to last week's book club episode. If you haven't listened, we talked about Bunny. You should ask by Lucy Sussman last week. It was such a good episode. Um, but Lizzie's mom hadn't read the book yet. No. She brought it with her. She's on a little trip right now. She brought it with her on her trip and texted me ominously. After she finished, she said, I finished the book. I have thoughts. And I said, okay. And she said, I'll write more later. And I said, you didn't write anything to begin with. What are you talking about? Oh, dang it. The mystery continues. Hoping to have thoughts from an actual mom. But since we uploaded our episode, we have had a couple more conversations with Alyssa Sussman, who is so kind, one of my new favorite authors. Um, We talked about, in our episode, a little bit about astrology, because it was alluded to once or twice in the book, and we were like, oh, we want to know what their astrological signs are lizzie messaged her and asked and she said i hadn't given any thought what do you think so we put our little minds together and gave her our ideas and she loved them she did and we actually we have an instagram post um cutie little graphic but very fun very cute um and it's fun because without any sort of prior discussion of it Hannah and I had pretty much the exact same thoughts. Yes, we texted each other about... at the same time. We were like, what do you yeah. think? And we responded, and we were like, oh. But anyway, to get sort of back on track, before we really get on track, I had said it would maybe be fun to do a mini Beyond the Pod. We could each just shout out one thing that we've been enjoying. Yes. 
recently. So, Lizzie, do you want to go first? I do. Let me just... All right, well, okay. I was going to see if I could think of something else to talk about, but clearly I'm not. A couple weeks ago, I watched a movie. It's one of the best movies I've seen in years. And I'll be honest with you, I think it was, like, the first new movie I watched of this year. Like, it's the first movie I hadn't seen before that I watched this year. And I don't foresee it getting much better this year. It's not a new movie. It came out a couple years ago, I think. And it's Sing 2. About the animated singing animals. I loved the first movie. Is Reese Witherspoon in that? Reese Witherspoon is it. She plays a little mama pig. The cast is insane. Let me just start that off. Some highlights include Reese Witherspoon, Nick Kroll, Nick Offerman, Matthew McConaughey, Bono, Scarlett Johansson, Halsey. Um, I didn't know half of those people could sing. Oh, God. Yeah. It's a real who's who of singing animated animals. In the plot, the storyline of the second one was just, like, really, really touching and sweet. It, they're very funny. Like, it's one of those, like, animated movies that is, like, genuinely very funny and not just kind of in, like, a slapstick humor way. Like, it's very witty. And it, the ending totally made me cry. It was very, very sweet. And it was so well done. And I texted Hannah after I watched it. Or I, like, sent her a voice memo. Because I watched it. And then the next day, I went to, to see um, one of our friends. Or the aforementioned friend, Hannah. And also the enemy of the pod. Um, maybe I should not say that that's where they live. I'll, I'll bleep it out. <laughs> oh, and I sent Hannah a voice message. Explaining to her the excitement I had about this movie. And I said, Hannah, you know how I feel about Paddington. And she was like, oh my god. And I said, this is ranked right underneath Paddington. That's a lot. I've actually, true confession, I haven't seen Sing 1 or Sing 2. I know. Which is, I mean, it's not surprising. However, I think it is a little unfortunate because I do think there are movies that you would genuinely very much well, enjoy. since you've said that, since you told me about... I mean, I remember seeing the trailer for the first one, probably in theaters, you know, before some other movie, and thinking, oh, that that looks kind of cute. I think it's made by Illumination, who, like, did Despicable Me and all those. Yeah. So, you know, it'll be like... Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, it'll be cute. I mean, it's clearly made for kids, so, like, whatever. Illumination doesn't make the best movies, but they don't make bad movies. Um, but since you love them so much, I definitely need to give them a chance. A chance. It is. It's definitely, like, a very specific brand of, like, animated movie humor that is, like, kind of in the same vein as Despicable Me. And I mean that's a compliment, because I think Despicable Me is a yeah. hilarious Those movie. movies, they, um, like, aren't, um, it's not the same kind of adult humor incorporated in like Shrek or Scooby-Doo where like there's fully adult humor that just goes over with kids heads but it's like humor Mm -hmm. that like teenagers will get I feel like I remember Mm -hmm. still liking Despicable Me as kind of like a teenager 
was when like the first or second yes. one came out and like they were enjoyable and then like the minions thing happened and it was we were over it yeah we just got another response to our oh yeah well thank god i'm glad they're rolling in Woo-hoo. um i wanted to talk about briefly because i've been telling every single person about it i read over the weekend in like one day not even fully a day in like a couple of hours I read a book called Kim Ji Young, born in 1982, and it's by, oh gosh, let me find the author's name. It's by Cho Nam Ju. She's a South Korean author. And this book was so good. I already told Lizzie, you have to read it. It's very short, yeah. a pretty easy read. It's like 150 pages. Um, and it's basically, Kim Ji Young was the most popular baby girl's name in South Korea in 1982. And so this character is mm-hmm. just kind of a stand-in for, like, the millennial woman. And it's about, like, her life oh. story, but it's just things that happen to every millennial woman in South Korea. That's very interesting. So it was interesting. very That's interesting. Cool um, it's about that, but also more broadly, it's just kind of about feminism and how women still need to be liberated and it it was so good but also it made me so sad and i'm still thinking about it and i want everyone to read it <laughs> it was very good um our our queen carly thorne had recommended it and i had put off reading it and then she knows best so should never have doubted her That's true. <laughs> so that was um i that's what i did over the weekend yes i'm very excited about that um, as soon as Hannah sent me that text of that book, I immediately, like, went and, like, screenshotted a picture of the cover, because that's what I do to remind myself to put things on my Goodread shelves. I do the same thing. And then, or, like, like once a month, then I have to go through my camera roll and add them all in. And like, oh! So I, yeah. it looks like on Goodreads, yeah. like, I find a hundred books at a time. Yes, it does. Um, and I can always tell when you've done that. Because then I go, like, to my Goodreads, and I look on my mm-hmm. feed, which I don't look at a ton. Yeah. Like, I don't really care about the social aspect of Goodreads 99% of the time. Um, the only reason I look at it ever is because sometimes Hannah will menacingly post as a public review of a book, Lizzie, I'm speaking directly to you. Read this book immediately. And then she'll put, like, the little water gun emoji, like she's Yeah, or the knife. Or the night. Yeah, I love a good Lizzie. I'm now speaking directly to you. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, I just got an I mess I just got an I message. An I message? An I message from Justin. Justin Bieber. Oh, he's watching the West Wing right, right now and having a connection. Good for him. Speaking of Justin Bieber. Should we talk about... Gotta keep an eye out. So should we talk about being a fangirl? Yeah, I guess. I mean, that was kind of our idea. Were you... Okay, I'll, let's start like this. Were you a believer? Or are you a believer? No. Me neither. Never was. No. Alright, and that's the end of the episode. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks y'all for coming. Um, <laughs> well, let's get a few things okay. straight. I have a sneaking suspicion 
that both of our introductory forays into kind of the fan experience did not start with musicians. No. I think they probably started with book series. Yeah, I think so. I think there were, like, some that were kind of concurrent. Like, when I got to the age where I was reading, like, big book series that, like, had a sort of following, like, the, for the first time, like, when I was reading the Harry Potter books. Or, like, the Percy Jackson and the Olympians, which a lot of people that answered our survey talked about both of those. And let me tell you what, the amount of Percy Jackson fans who answered the survey tells me a lot about our listenership. I know a lot about you people now. Percy Jackson is... It, it crosses boundaries. My sister is, like, the queen of the Percy Jackson fans, and you would never know from looking at her Instagram. <laughs> that's... Yeah, I think that's very interesting because... I feel like for young British kids, like school kids in Britain, Mm -hmm. when the first couple Harry Potter books were coming out, especially like the very first one before it got super popular globally, Mm -hmm. I feel like our experience of reading the first Percy Jackson Mm -hmm. book must have been similar to what they were experiencing. Yeah, where it was just kind of like all the kids in elementary and middle school were reading it. Well, right, and because, like, I remember, like, I had, like, a group, my, like, group of friends was reading Percy Jackson, and I remember the first time, like, I was, like, getting ready for school or something, and I remember, like, the news was on, which is suspect, because the news is never on in my house, for a variety of reasons, um, and it was, like, whatever the early morning one is before, like, Good Morning America, And they were talking about Percy Jackson on it. Like, one of the hosts was talking about, like, their, like, kid or their, like, niece or nephew being obsessed with Percy Jackson. And I was like, what do you mean other people know about this? Yeah, it always does kind of feel like that. Which is one crazy thing about fandom, kind of in general, and being a fan of something. I mean, things like Harry Potter and Percy Jackson, you know, to some extent, you know, Taylor Swift, there are some things that are quite mainstream, and people talk about them being mainstream, but there are so many things that you're a fan of that they're so popular, but no one talks about it with each other, at least in person. So it feels, and someone wrote this in the survey, I kind of want to find it. Yes, I saw that. Someone said something about it being a sort of embarrassing secret even though like if you're into like you know harry potter you're into harry potter and you like to read harry potter fan fiction so do like 70 percent of millennials and 50 percent of gen z and yet it feels embarrassing and niche and like you're the only person right Yeah, I wonder if it's partially, like, a... It just depends on what sort of, like, the original content is that the fandom is based around. That, like, has sort of a underlying control over 
your comfort in like sharing your like love yeah. for it. But I remember like when I was like twelve, like twelve, thirteen, when One Direction was kind of starting, yeah. and I was watching the next morning after you know X Factor would happen in the UK. I would be like watching it on my iPod Touch yeah. in the UK. And the hilarious thing is, I wasn't even thinking about this. This just occurred to me right now. Because One Direction was probably, it was definitely the first, like, the most hardcore, like, celebrity musician, like, band. Yeah, at least that I can remember. That I have. Because, like, I liked the Jonas yeah. Brothers. And, like, I definitely had a favorite. And I definitely know almost every Jonas Brothers song now. And, like, the love for Taylor Swift is just on another level. Like, that doesn't even, in my brain, that doesn't even count towards this conversation. Because that's just like a, oh, of course. I'm American. <laughs> I'm an Aries. And I like Taylor Swift. Like, it's just part of the identity. Like, that doesn't even count as a fan thing. Um, but the reason that I learned about One Direction as early as I did was because of another fandom when I very very first started rooting around the internet is because of Doctor Who. Wait how did Doctor Who lead to, to One Direction? Was it because they were British? Because it was all it was all of the like British core Tumblr girls the, the Brit tubers, the British YouTube crew, Zoella. Like, the very, very beginnings of that. Because I loved Doctor Who. And no American people I knew were talking about Doctor Who, so I had to turn to the internet. Well, they were. They were just all on Tumblr and not in real life. But here's the thing, is that I feel like One Direction is another good example. One Direction was the biggest boy band ever. It at least in the West, maybe until BTS kind of popped off in the West. Yeah. One Direction was the biggest boy band, perhaps, well, in terms of sales ever. And Lizzie and I are actually both reading this book. I'm not finished with it, but it's called Everything I Need I Get From You, How Fangirls Created the Internet as We Know It. And it's a, a study on fangirls, and One Direction is the case study. And one of the things that they yeah. said was, we know that we're not better musicians than the Beatles, but we are bigger than the Beatles. It's just a fact in terms of sales, in terms of yeah. popularity. Um, you know, how quickly they went number one in the U.S. The Beatles, it took them about four albums. One Direction did it with their first single. But, yeah. The, so, One Direction was the biggest band in the world at the time. And yet, so clearly, every teenage girl and preteen girl was into them and yet it felt like you were the only one and you couldn't talk to your in-person friends about it you yes. could you could comment yeah. on like a tumblr blog about it but you couldn't right. but it's because you were never gonna see those people yeah it was embarrassing to talk to your friends at middle school about it or ask your parents to get you concert tickets or yeah did you ever see one direction in concert no i was too embarrassed yeah. to ask i saw five seconds of summer Sure. Twice. Um, which became a fan of them because of One Direction, because they opened for One Direction. 
See, I never got into Five Seconds of Summer. I didn't let my love stray. Oh, okay. See, I did because it felt more attainable. You know, it was a little. They were a little bit less popular. It was a bit cheaper to go to the concerts. Sure. Um, sure. One Direction, you know, I hadn't, I don't know if I'd even gone to my first concert yet when One Direction, well, I was a little bit older by the time yeah. I had kind of gotten into Five Seconds of Summer, so it was kind of like, oh, can I go to a concert? Yes. Um, but. That makes sense. And, I mean, it, even, you say this about Taylor Swift, and it's just a thing, but there were quite a few years where, clearly, we all still loved Taylor Swift. She was critically acclaimed. She's winning awards. But it was kind of like you had to be a fan of her on the DL. When the when the first Kanye Kim thing happened. Well, I was just say the very beginnings of Taylor Swift, like from like from nineteen eighty nine to Reputation or Lover, maybe. So like the la- I remember, like love Taylor Swift, love Taylor Swift, love Taylor Swift. I remember. I listened to the 1989 album the day it came out, and that was fall of what would have been our sophomore year of high school. Mm -hmm. I remember this distinctly. Um, And I love 1989. I think 1989 is almost a perfect album, frankly. Um, And then I think there was such a gap in time between 1989 and Reputation. Because Reputation came out while we were in college, right? No, well, no. Lover came out when we were in college. I don't remember when Reputation came out. I'm gonna find out. So I had no interest in Reputation. And I had kind of, I was distracted by other things at that point. Um... And it wasn't that I ever stopped liking Taylor Swift. I just wasn't as involved. With, like I was more interested in other things. Oh, yes. So it came out our very first semester of college. Okay. Which is actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that's crazy that I think about it as being such a huge gap in time from when Lover came out, or when 1989 came out, to Reputation coming out. Mm-hmm. It was... Only three years. Yeah. That's like a fairly normal amount of time for people to go between releasing full albums. Yeah. I mean, Rihanna. Oh my gosh. I'm, well, you know what? I'm not going to be able to watch the Rihanna concert. Sad. Is she streaming it? I think she will, but I'm going to be in the woods without internet, so. Oh, oh okay. Well, if the, sure Bengals, if the Bengals had made it to the Super Bowl, I would have figured out a way, but. Alas, there's a world, there's a way, you're crazy, Lily Pelosi. Um, we're not going to talk about that man today. We're not going to talk about sports fandom. No, not today. We've gotten enough acclaim. But, yeah, it's just kind of, in fact, I, I still don't know if I'm ready to tell the story, but one of the ways Lizzie and I did really reconnect after college was because we shared something between each other. Okay, this sounds really nefarious. We realized that we had been in a lot of sort of like the same fandom fan culture yeah. growing up. Like in middle and early high school. And college. And that carried on into additional interests as we grew up. 
And there you go. T. <laughs> T. It feels embarrassing, even though it shouldn't. Like, that's the thing. It's literally, like, it's not like we're, like, and we're fans of Sophia the First on Disney Channel Kids, which, like, I mean, we had a whole podcast about Disney Channel original movies. But, like, you and I are into, like, the most mainstream stuff. Sophia the First. I have a confession. I, I, I already told Lizzie. I, I did tell you. But. Hit me with it. As part of Fangirl February, and this wasn't on purpose, but it was appropriate timing. I'm going method this month. Because about three weeks ago. <laughs> pause, 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 pause. <laughs> I'd like you all to remember when we first talked about this. And we said that we were doing Fangirl February. And we were like, oh, and we're excited. Neither of us are really K-pop girls. So we're excited to sort of deep dive into, like, as a somewhat objective outsider perspective on this. Guys, I accidentally got into K-pop. Um, yeah. It was an accident. Hannah accidentally became obsessed. Let me tell you how it happened. I'll walk you through it. Because it was one step at a time. Because it took all of about 72 hours. She really has... It took all of about two hours, let me tell you. A girl I follow on TikTok is a fan of K-pop. Is that Kristen who does the flute videos? Her little sister, Erica. Erica. Okay. She posted a video of her and her friends doing a, a TikTok dance to a K-pop song, a K-pop dance from a music video, um, after they had gone to a concert. And I was like, that's kind of a cute dance. I want to see what other videos people have made to that song, which I've done mm -hmm. before to K-pop songs. I mean, they're always very popular on the app. So I, like I want to do, clicked on the sound, you know, usually I'll take a few, five minutes and go through the top videos and then go back. Unfortunately, I didn't go back. <laughs> and then I accidentally made the leap from TikTok to YouTube, which was damning. And then I made the worst leap from YouTube to Tumblr. And all of this happened in about 30 minutes. It all happened in one night. And now, unfortunately, I am in Citizen. Hi, everyone. Yes. NCT 127, you will always be famous in my heart. In fact, their new album came out today. Or the fourth album repackage, AO. Two baddies, two baddies, one Porsche. Okay. I know the choreo, Lizzie. I know it all. I have favorites. And the thing is, I understand how it happens. And I was explaining to Lizzie a little bit. I think I was explaining to you. Lizzie, don't laugh at me. I'm being serious now. I am being academic. I can't um, breathe. <laughs> You look like you're giving a lecture, but also just like you look a little crazed, like you're trying to like defend yourself in court. I'm feeling crazed. Anyway, I was telling Lizzie, I think, I was also telling friend of the pod Amber and my other friend Caroline how I listened to an interview that was actually on the Try Guys channel when they learned a little bit about K pop. And the reason. It happens, like, the way I fell down this rabbit hole just a couple weeks ago, it's 
so manufactured, not only for it to be successful, but to be addictive and to get you into that rabbit hole. Because I watched this TikTok and I was like, oh, this is a catchy song. I want to hear the full song, not just the 10 seconds on TikTok. So I go to YouTube to watch the music video. Mm -hmm. Not only do they have a music video, but then they have the version of the music video with no cuts, just doing the dance. And then it's the behind the scenes of the music video. And then it's the behind the scenes of them learning the dance. And then it's the behind the scenes of them doing the dance. And then it's the live performance video. And then it's the them reacting to the live performance video. Them reacting to the music video. So for one song, already you've watched eight videos. Mm-hmm. And then, well, they have like eight albums. Yeah. So that for every single, it's no wonder, you know, you do that for two songs. Now your For You page, your YouTube recommended, whatever it is, yeah. is all K-pop. Yeah. I mean, I will say, from the very little I know about sort of that industry of them so meticulously curating and training the members of these bands, the members of these groups, mm-hmm. it's fascinating. I won't lie, it does scare me a little bit. And I get, I always get nervous about the ethics of huge media companies kind of mm-hmm. employing and training young people like this. And, like, I understand, They're like... They're very young. Well, that's the thing, and it starts so young. Um, but that's, I don't, I don't know enough. Yeah, they start when they're, like, in middle school. Like, well, like, one of the guys in this band, he's our age, he's, like, a month older than me, he's 23... This band is, like, six or seven, eight years old, so they debuted, that's the vocab, when he was, like, 16. Mm-hmm. So he had been training in that company since he was 12 or 13. Yeah. So he's from Canada. He moved from Canada to South Korea alone at, like, the age of 12 or 13. It's crazy. It's train. so fascinating. For more than 10 years of his life, his adult life, he's been doing that, so it's like he's always been famous, because even the, the kids when they're trainees... They're, you know, making videos about them and putting them in songs right. and whatnot. And it's just kind of like, right. yeah. It's like the lead up to, like, college athletes before they get drafted into major league professional sports. Yeah, but like preteens, it's crazy. But, but seven years younger. I was going to say, like, if you think, like, you know, we think about when One Direction was on the X Factor, you know, they all auditioned separately, like, Liam had even auditioned before, and they were, you know, between, like, 16 or and 18 years old, or 15 and 18, and, you know, and then they kind of got manufactured by Simon Cowell slash Nicole Scherzinger into, was it Nicole Scherzinger, or was it someone else? It was her. It was Nicole Scherzinger, and I would like yeah. to take this moment, Perfect. I think I've talked about in the past, or maybe I've just, like, posted it on the Instagram um, I really love this podcast called The Shameless Podcast, uh-huh. and so they just did, like, a three-part series about One Direction, and, like, specifically with sort of, like, a Harry Styles lean to it, um, mm-hmm. and so it's, like, the first episode is, like, um, the first episode is, like, how One Direction came together, the second one is how One Direction came apart, and then the third one is, like, the rise of Harry Styles, essentially. Which is hilarious, mm-hmm. because it does make it sound like it would be titles of, like, an additional Star Wars trilogy. 
but that little series they did was super, super fascinating. And like I said, it's like three parts, so it's essentially like three hours. Mm-hmm. And it's very well researched, um, and they play like audio clips and stuff from the original auditions. Um, but it's just, it's very interesting. And I wonder, Hannah... Their auditions were not good, not good. unfortunately. And they were so little. And the thing is, you look back at that and you're like, wow, they're so young. And it's crazy that Simon Cowell slash really not Simon, Nicole Scherzinger, he took credit, whatever, he's a white man, you know, crafted them together to make something successful. And you're like, and that's like half as calculating as K-pop. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm wondering, Hannah, do you agree with me? This is like, with these bands of very young people, Does it, when you think about, like, a One Direction band versus, mm-hmm. like, Disney Channel or, like, a young, mm-hmm. like, Like the singer. Jonas Brothers or, or Ross well, kind of, like, or Yeah, like a career, like a young singer with a career affiliated with the Disney Channel. Like Olivia Rodrigo or, or someone like that? Kind of. But, like, I always find myself getting really nervous about, like, the treatment of the kids in the One Direction situations, Mm -hmm. where it's, like, run by adults in the music industry who are predominantly working with other adults in the music industry. Yeah, and, like... That's, like, the Disney Channel, like, Nickelodeon bands. It gives off the suggestion or it like gives off the appearance that they have the infrastructure in place for working ethically with these young people which obviously we know has not been the case yeah i i I, when you say that it reminds me of i mean things like the jonas brothers and miley cyrus and selena gomez and demi lovato who yeah you know at first they seem more protected but even like I mean, Miley Cyrus is someone who her dad was in the music industry. He was in the industry. And even that didn't really protect her. Right. But that's, I'm saying, that's like kind of the scary part of it is you just assume that those groups are going to be better off or those artists are going to be better off than the kids auditioning for X Factor or the kids who are, you know. Yeah. 12 and 13 getting put into groups and being trained for the next four so years. So probably, but. basically, this thesis is minors shouldn't be allowed to be famous. Um, oh. Get Charlie D'Amelio off of TikTok and let her go back to school, please. Let yeah. her go back to high school, but let her move back to Connecticut. Let her be normal. I haven't seen the Hulu show about that family, but I've seen clips of it, and it's just no. the two of them crying about how much they hate being famous and they want to move home, and that they don't, they still don't move home because they're making their family all this money in California. Mm. Let those girls be normal kids, please. I know they're not kids anymore. I know they're both legally adults, but like, but um, we've not been talking about our experience with fandom that much. Yeah, I often think about myself like I can't like anything a normal amount which is I think is another facet of at least how people perceive fangirls mm-hmm. fan folk fandom um, I actually want to pull up a quote from this book I know we're not specifically talking about it this episode 
there was a quote from Everything I Need I Get From You that I really want to talk about. Allison McCracken, who is an expert on, I believe she's an American Studies professor at DePaul. Mm-hmm. Um, she was interviewed for this book, and she says, Being a fan is very much associated with feminine excess, with working class people, people of color, people whose emotions are seen as being out of control. Everything is set up against this idea of white straight masculinity where the emotions are in control and the body is in control, which I know we said we're not going to talk about sports and I don't want to talk about sports, but that's kind of the dichotomy between a sports fan and a fan of Mm -hmm. One Direction or Taylor Swift or a K-pop group or Bridgerton. I mean, we just saw in preparation for the Eagles game. Everyone was like, yeah, grease the poles, grease them, grease them. In preparation for a citywide either massive celebration or riot. Yeah. Depending on the outcome of the game. But when it's young girls showing the same sort of exuberance and oftentimes not violent exuberance. Yeah. Sometimes it's violent. I mean, there are crazy stalker fans of everyone. Of course, of course. Usually it's more psychological. And actually, I learned from, not from this book, from listening to a podcast. But one of my favorite podcasts, Vince Topia, did an episode. They've done a couple episodes about fans. Like, they did Mm -hmm. one about stands and one about parasocial relationships. Yeah. And they talked about before there was the idea of the teenager, because that's actually a relatively new idea. It used to just be like you were a child and then you were a young adult. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of around the time that like Elvis became popular and the Beatles became popular was around the time that the teenager was emerging as an idea. And before that, if you were like a fan of like the Beatles or Elvis, it was, you were described as, women were described as moronic, which basically meant like you had the mind of a child. So like young women who were like, fans of these men, women were then be like, oh, you have the mind of a child if you like them. Yes. Yeah. So much of this is misogyny. Um, Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course it is. And you know what? I will say very, and they talked about this a lot in that Shameless series about mm -hmm. One Direction. And there's a very famous Harry Styles quote that gets anytime sort of people are publicly having a conversation about like fan culture. I don't want to say every time, but oftentimes it's from a Rolling Stone article that he did in 2017, like when his first his first album came out. Sign of the Times came out or whatever. Yeah, and it's basically just him kind of defending young girls. The whole point is who's to say that like young girls who like pop music have worse musical taste than like 30 year old dudes young girls are the ones who liked the beatles first so are you gonna tell me uh, that that's the way now like, every adult man thinks he's superior because he likes the beatles yeah. and so yeah it says that's not up to you to say music is something that's always changing there's no goalposts. young girls like the beatles you're gonna tell me they're not serious How can you say young girls don't get it? They're our future. Our future doctors, lawyers, mothers, presidents. They kind of keep the world going. 
teenage girl fans, they don't lie. If they like you, they're there. They don't act too cool. They like you and they tell you, which is sick. And there's been a lot of speculation since this quote came out about, like, whether or not this was, you know, kind of a pre-written line that they fed to him. But the general consensus says that it's probably something that they were just having a lot of conversations about, like, Mm -hmm. with his management. Mm -hmm. And they were like, hey, if ever there was a time to kind of, like, solidify our stance on this, it's in an interview for your debut album as the former frontman of the biggest boy band in the world mm-hmm. in the most kind of world, like, globally acclaimed music and culture publication on the planet. And I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. So, thanks, Harold. Thanks, Harold. Something I also kind of would like us to talk about is the difference between, like, when we think about fan culture, or, like, when you say, like, fandom, or something like that, those words have kind of been evolved into something that is sort of synonymous with a lot of what we would consider, like, the female experience. Mm -hmm. Young girls, or, like, people who are femme-presenting, Mm-hmm. Um, and then you see things like nerd culture, mm-hmm. and you think like, oh, like the Big Bang Theory, like yeah, comic books and superheroes and Star Wars. Both of those things are somehow also totally removed from the idea of being a fan. Because I'm guessing there's, like, a certain age group of people in America that if you, like, talk to them about being a fan of something, the first thing that pops up into their brains is sports. Yeah, it's, like, the difference between, like, nowadays, colloquially, even though the original meanings are different, of, like, a fan versus, like, a stan. Yeah. Fan is more casual, but also it's kind of, like, they're both kind of more, like, synonymous of, like, someone you can sell something to. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, you know, if you're a fan of this, of whatever, of a sports team, of a musician, of an actor, of a series, you know, you'll buy merch, you'll buy tickets, Mm -hmm. you'll buy whatever, but if you're quote-unquote, I'm saying this because it's not true, casually a fan of something in the way that they talked about in this book about, you know, you're like, you know, controlling your mind and body in the way that you're a fan of a sports team. You can be a fan. If you're right. hysterical and it's feminine excess or people yeah. of color or queer folk, you're a stan. Yeah. And someone who responded to our survey, again, it's all anonymous, they said, being a fangirl is something a lot of queer folk experience as teens and into adulthood as well. The trajectory of pop culture is heavily controlled by teen girls and queer folk, and without them, some of the biggest franchises and bands wouldn't exist. Yeah. We have a mutual friend who reached out to me um, and said, (laughs) she said, can you please do a poll for me? I, parentheses, a lesbian, was talking to a person parentheses, another lesbian, about how we both picked Niall as the 1D member we both liked. 
quote unquote, despite being checked out and knowing almost nothing really about One Direction due to lack of genuine interest. But I've also heard from multiple other queer women that their One Direction obsession was centered around Lewis. And so I think you should use your platform to take a poll for researching, because I think that's interesting. <laughs> Wait, Lizzie. Yeah. Did you call him Lewis? I did, and then I caught myself. <laughs> Fake fan. I'm kidding. I know. Well, it's also kind of like, I've heard that a lot of queer women picked Kevin Jonas as their favorite. Just because, like, they kind of felt bad for him. Or because, like, I I think that's kind of a joke that people will talk about. Like, oh, I picked him because I felt bad that he wasn't the most popular. Yeah. But I have, it's kind of also like, oh, well, like, he clearly wasn't, like, the heartthrob of the group. Interesting. I think I've seen those TikToks as well. Mm -hmm. There are also girls who have just said, like, you know, they were in a friend group of three. And, you know, their friends had already claimed, like, Nick and Joe, so they were, like, stuck, they were, like, forced to, like, Kevin best, even though they actually liked someone else better. Right. So, those poor girls. Oy, oy, oy. Well, actually, speaking of which, did you hear yeah. that the Jonas Brothers just got their ho- star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? And Joe Jonas made a very, very sweet speech where he talked about his kids. It's crazy to think about the fact that they all have kids now. I know. Well, Cousin Sophie, they're my nieces and nephews, those two little ones. I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> I think they might be your second cousin. Second ones removed. Um, but yeah, they're all just dads. Crazy. Dads. And I mean, think about it. Three out of five members of One Direction are dads. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Harry and Niall are the only who are not. Thank God. Thank God. But, I don't know, do you kind of want to wrap it up for now? I mean, we still have the rest of the month to have this conversation. I'm yawning. Yeah. Next week, we are doing our movie. movie. And y'all did vote. Did you see what they voted for? Austin Land. Yeah, so we're going to watch Austin Land. Which, actually, I need to figure out where we can watch that. Like, where that's shooting. Yeah. Um, but that should be fun, because that is about, it's about, like, super fans. And yeah. interestingly enough, it's about predominantly, like, fully grown adult fans. Kind of indulging mm-hmm. in what could be considered extreme fan behavior. Mm-hmm. But so I think for that, it's also fans of, like, I mean, she's, it's, it's Jane Austen themed, so it's fans of books, although, of course, also there's plenty of Jane Austen movie adaptations, so mm-hmm. there's there's all of that to look at as well, but that's one of my favorite movies, so I'm so excited to watch it. I might trick some friends into watching it with me. Your homework, should you choose to accept it, everyone, if you want to watch the movie, it's Austin Land, A-U-S-T-E-N-L-A-N-D, like Jane Austen. Just a reminder that our book club book, for Fangirl February is Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. Who I just found out is a woman. Yes, Hannah didn't know that Rainbow Rowell was a woman. It, for, to me, Rainbow Rowell gave John Green vibes. And we will be talking about that in our wrap-up about the book, because they're besties. They're really good friends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I need to start that. That one's a thickie. It is kind of big. It is kind of big. 
and recommend the pod. Follow us on Instagram at slumberparty.pod. You can also email us at theslumberpartypod at gmail.com if you ever want to. We also just accept DMs. That's where most of you talk to us. And you can also leave us voice memos and uh, I think written memos as well on Spotify. Yeah. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Those websites are called Podcatchers, which is very cute. And if you want to leave us a voice message about your fandom experience, let us know. And we can put together a little compilation of those for our, like, fandom extravaganza episode later in the month. Yes. I'm so sleepy. I am too. Hannah, do you want to... Oh gosh, you're yawning. You're yawning. Do you want to take us away before we all fall asleep on Mike? I do. This has been the Slumber Party Pod. This episode was edited by Hannah and collectively conceived of as a post-grad crisis by Lizzie and Hannah. This episode has been distributed by Anchor, and we hope you'll join us again next week. Two baddies, two baddies, one poor. Two baddies, two baddies, one poor.